I always believe that setbacks are genuinely awesome. And the reason behind it is I believe that every setback, every adversity, every failure is a gift wrapped in the wrapper of, let's say, that failure, that setback or that adversity. There is a hidden gift in it. You're listening to The Wholehearted Podcast and I'm your host, Cohen Tan. I'm on a mission to set hearts free and inspire people to break out of their self-limitations to create the life of their dreams. Each episode, I speak to people around the world who live with vigor, courage, and authenticity. And I hope their stories can inspire you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Hello listeners, welcome to another episode of the Wholehearted Podcast. And today, I have with me a very, very dear friend of mine. She's a fellow speaker, trainer and a coach. Her name is Srijata Bhatnaga. Welcome, Srijata. Thank you, Coin. I couldn't be more grateful than for you to call me here. The topic is really, really close to my heart. Fantastic, fantastic. And um, Srijata has recently also uh, made a very big, bold, uh, wholehearted move to uh, relocate to the US from India. And um, maybe later in the show, we'll get a chance to speak to her about it as well. So, Srijata, um, we, let's start with the first question that we ask all our guests. What does living wholehearted mean to you? Mm, very interesting. Wholehearted, yes. That, that To me, it is like, do whatever you want to do, but do it with all your heart. Don't do it with a question mark. Am I doing it right? Should I be doing this? Am I good enough for this? Uh, am I loving enough? Am I getting enough love? I am. Am I giving enough? Am I receiving enough? Don't have such questions. Whatever you do, do with entire hundred percent of your heart and passion, and you know, and excitement and enjoyment. I think that is what wholehearted means to me. So when I'm here, when I'm talking to you, Coin, I'm wholeheartedly here. I'm not thinking about something else and then talking here. So that, that is what is wholehearted to me. Be present, be in the moment and just be yourself in whatever you do, wherever you go. I think that is what is wholehearted to me. Wow, fantastic. That's a great definition, right? I, I really like the piece about um, being present, um, being present to the moment because all you ever have is this particular moment. So I'd uh, just like to ask you a question about uh, what do you think are some of the obstacles or barriers holding people back from living a wholehearted life? Well, I think people don't live in present. I don't find people like I am an NLP certified uh, master uh, practitioner. And when I was learning this, there was a concept of uh, are you living in the past? Are you living in the future? Or are you living in the present? We were learning something about it. And what we got to understand and know from the research and all the literature was that either people are living in the past or they're living in the future. Very few of us are actually living in the present. So that is what is the biggest barrier for anyone and everyone who wants to live a wholehearted life. They never present in present in the right time right here. I think that is the biggest challenge. Apart from that, I think you know, many other challenges stem from this particular challenge in itself, right? So when you're living in the past, you're thinking about a lot of baggage, a lot of mistakes, a lot of things that didn't go right in your, you know, in your world, in the past. Now, when you're living in the future, you're always worrying, 
how is my future going to be so a lot more issues crop just because you are not living in the present so yeah that's what i would say well this that's a great distinction right and just listening to you right something came to my mind an image come to my mind and uh, nowadays when we travel we are constantly traveling with our smartphones out and taking pictures and everything and i myself guilty as charged um, I used to think, you know, right, um, that I'm present to the moment. That's why I'm able to capture beautiful pictures, right? It's like I'm present to beauty in a moment. But I find myself immediate, immediately as I was taking the, fo- the, the, the photo that I'm already starting to, th- to live in the future. I'm starting to think, mm, this will look very nice on my Instagram. Uh, ooh, I'm, I'm going to get a, a lot of likes and comments uh, from my friends uh, and my followers um, from this particular photo. And I realized, hmm... Am I really living in the present? And I think that's a very, very great distinction. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And you talk about living in the past and baggage, right? Um, and I think this is a great segue into asking you this question. Um, obviously, uh, Srijata, I know you as uh, the, the expert on setback leadership. And your first book, right, um, is, on, is on setback leadership. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, right? And your podcast is also on setback leadership. So can I think that's a great topic, by the way. And uh, can I just get your perspective around uh, how did you even get started on this this particular topic? I never thought that I will become a speaker in the first place. I will become a researcher on setback leadership in the first place. Leave alone setback leadership, not on leadership. I never aspired to be a speaker. Honestly, it happened by accident. I was an entrepreneur. So my career journey has been first I have been an employee, then I have been an employer and an entrepreneur and then today I am a speaker and an author. So in the second phase of my life when I just started my entrepreneurship, I was the first generation entrepreneur and first generation entrepreneurs without knowing too many nuances of uh, entrepreneurship, business, running it, etc, etc. I of course did a lot of mistakes, I did a lot of goof up, big goof ups, losing a lot of money. So my uh, my uh, first startup actually had to close down. We had to shut it down, you know, because we could not uh, uh, keep up with it. The runway was gone, basically. <laughs> so around the same time, uh, a startup uh, ecosystem was holding uh, a week long uh, startup carnival, and this was in Bangalore, India. All right, the startup mecca of India, we call it, right? It's the Silicon Valley of India. So uh, over there, and uh, it was a huge event. And uh, one of the organizers gave me a call because I was part of the community and they had known that I had recently shut down my business and they were trying to figure out uh, a particular segment. So they called me and they say, Shrijata, we are calling you to check, would you be like, would you like to come over uh, for a speech? Would you like to give a speech on the failures that you faced in your startup? And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You know, it's like rubbing salt on the wounds. I'm still licking my wounds and you're asking me to come and speak on that goddamn topic. It just doesn't work out like that, right? And I was like, no. Initially, I said, no. Then they cajoled me. They said, no, 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 it will be a great topic. See, you know, uh, the whole world is saying, yes, startup, okay, startup, you know, always chest beating, saying that startups are doing this, doing that, showing off this, that, blah, blah, blah. We need somebody to come and talk about vulnerabilities. We need someone to talk about the real shit that happens in startups. So there are two other speakers who are coming who are also going to share about their entrepreneurship failures. So you're not alone. 
you won't be feeling out of place you will be the third speaker i was like reluctantly all right let's see now after i said yes to them i went back to the drawing board and i was wondering do i really want to do this should i really do this i mean i'm really putting myself in the fire should i really be doing this but then i was like okay now that i have committed i better keep up you know i i better do it what i said i would do it so that that's that's a part of me once i have committed i have committed i will never go you know away from my words so i was like okay fine let me do it so i jot down i sit down i i write all my challenges not only my professional challenges entrepreneurial challenges but the other challenges that actually contributed to this challenge you know so uh, i wrote down a uh, speech I, i created a nice powerpoint uh, having all the timelines of failures people create timelines of successes i created a timeline of failures and i was like okay let me go and share this with the whole world you know with those team and it was 150 people um, you know auditorium they were all sitting there and the, the the speakers before me they go on stage and i was shocked because both of them one by one went on stage and did only share about their successes and here i am sitting on the front row looking up to them thinking oh shit now i am in stew what do i do i have prepared to share all my setbacks all my challenges and i see the speakers ahead of me going and talking about their successes in disguise of failures what do i do now should i change my speech should i back out should i go on stage and talk about my failures what do i do then i was like okay fine let's see as i go on to the stage i tell myself chuck it whatever i have decided i will do i will do and i go ahead and i give the presentation whatever i have prepared all the timelines of failures i give the presentation i finish my presentation i say thank you to the whole crowd and i wait there 5 seconds gone 10 seconds gone no response pin drop silence in the room and here i'm thinking oh no i have big time goofed it up which means i have really terribly goofed it up and i started beating myself inside i'm like oh, please god you know take me away from here and throw me somewhere is <laughs> yeah i somewhere i just don't want to be here thinking that i'm just taking step by step slow step by step to come out of the stage within Three, four seconds, I hear a roaring thunder of claps, and I turn around and I see everybody clapping and you know standing up. Okay, what did I do? I mean, did I really do a good job, bad job, what? Till then, I hadn't realized it. Only after I came off the stage and I saw a huge queue of people wanting to talk to me, swarming all around me and congratulating me, saying that. you opened us today you made us realize that it was important to actually acknowledge and own those failures and learn from them and actually be proud of them that minute i realized the potential of setback leadership i think that was the final nail in the you know coffin they say right before i actually started working on it so that was the final straw in the whole thing 
and that's how setback leadership was born wow what um an inspiring story right like a lot of times uh, even as, as we're living wholeheartedly uh, we are we, we become trusted into the position of reluctant hero um, it's kind of like we we never sought out to you know become a speaker to be a, a an author but um, but being present to the moment right and reading the signs that the universe is telling you or you know, or God is sending you um, I think it's very very important right and um, you made a lot of courageous choices there um, first of all because of your failure it's not easy to talk about failure people usually um, especially here in Asia, right? We we want to you know hide it and not want to talk about it. And um, the the second thing is that when you are invited to speak, you stepped courageously and powerfully into that space, right? And say okay, right? Although somewhat, albeit a little reluctantly, but you're kind of okay, okay, I'll share, I'll share. And and of course, right? Um, when you saw the first two speakers um, talking only about the successes, and again, you had to make a very courageous decision. Do you change your speech? Um, or do you just go with what you have planned? And I and I congratulate you. I think you have made very, very, very courageous choices. And I think that's the essence of wholehearted living as well, right? Um, just as demonstrated by your speech, by your sharing your story, is that how can we make courageous decisions from point to point, from moment to moment? And that requires us to be present. That requires us to be very aligned to who we are. And um, you never know what adventures you can take you on. True. Very true, very true. And um, but let, let's talk about this this uh, idea of uh, embracing failure, right? So of course you failed in your startup, and obviously there was a crushing blow for you. Um, how did you bounce back? Like besides that speech, right? How did you bounce back from that failure? Well, I think uh, okay. So my first start of failure was a big one. Uh, in fact, uh, not only a professional failure, but a personal failure as well, because, uh, you know, uh, I was uh, going through, uh, because of this failure, I was going through depression as well. So, and that was uh, making me even worse because I was having suicidal thoughts and uh, all such things, right? So, therefore, uh, it was a double whammy is what I would call it. In fact, it was probably triple four times by me because from financial failure, personal failure, relationship failure, uh, professional failure, everything was together, you know, and uh, it was difficult. I'll be honest. It, it was very difficult to cope with it. I mean, if, if you would have asked me while I was going through the challenges that uh, uh, how are you feeling now, I would have probably... Uh, banged with a hammer on your head and say how dare you ask me this question don't you know what shit i'm going through right so that's what would have happened but then at the same time now that i'm past that if i look back what helped me was a few things one was the the, the urge to make things right first thing like, I mean, I had the urge to make things right. I had the urge to succeed. I had the urge to learn and move forward instead of keep repenting on, oh, no, why did it happen to me? Why is it to be me? Always, why am I the only one every time going through this kind of things? Why me? Why me? Why me? So I didn't stay with why me. I moved myself from why me to what can I do to change my situation? And that's why I reached, I first of all closed down my first business. I did an entrepreneurship course to learn more about entrepreneurship. I, I went to a counselor uh, and then got my uh, depression out of my way. I, I worked on my relationship and so on and so forth. So it took a 
solid amount of effort so this is something i want to tell the viewers here or the listeners here that don't think that you can easily surpass a challenge or don't think that every adversity that hits you you will be easily be able to surpass it only because you have a resilient mind that's going to happen i have a very very resilient mind still it was very difficult for me i truly felt you know completely uh you know under the mud completely ridden with mud and i i couldn't come out of that filth but it took time it took time but it took a lot of effort and consistent thoughtful effort in the direction where i wanted to move so to answer your question quickly going that how did i cope with those with my resilient mind with the help of people around me changing the way i think about certain challenges and then act and lastly using the right tools that will take me to the next step you know that will take me forward and not throw me backward so these are the ways i i kind of cope with my challenges wow um so just to summarize um there was like the right mindset the right people to surround yourself with and the right tools you use to kind of move forward and um but this yeah. requires as you said right a lot of inner work and again again wholehearted living requires presence you know to, to make courageous decision from point to point um there's this yeah. you know is it is very moments of decision right that we can either make that disempowered choice or to make the empowered choice and i'm so i'm so glad and so proud of you that you know you've made all these empowered choices and um of course right only when you do that then you can kind of like harness the the lessons that 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 a failure has to teach you right so um what are some lessons you have learned from failure well first thing and the, my most favorite lesson is that i feel setbacks are awesome and i say this every single time i always believe that setbacks are genuinely awesome and the reason behind it is i believe that every setback every adversity every failure is a gift wrapped in the wrapper of let's say that failure that setback or that adversity there is a hidden gift in it it's like a, a you know treasure hunt i i i'm sure as a kid or you 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 know as a kid you would have done treasure hunts or if you have kids uh, audience you would have played with your you know kids to do treasure hunt it's so much fun so finding that gift under that failure is like that i get excited every time i am hit with a challenge because i know i will find the gift after that if i have to talk about let's say you said that i took a wholehearted decision of moving from india to the us yes it was a tough decision it was a really really tough decision i had 6 months of madness pure madness because multiple things were happening around me my mind was going bonkers i was speaking here and there i was writing a book i was launching a book i was collecting all the documents that is needed to shift here so many many things were happening at that time and i was feeling why on earth did i even agree to this but that was only for a couple of minutes you know it's okay to feel that uh, why me but not for long period of time give it a few minutes and then shun it out then i'll think okay fine if i'm doing this what is the other end of it what is the gift that i could get when i started jotting down that gift that i could 
you know get because of this shift because of this pain that i'm going through right now i was like this is exciting let's do it so that's how you kind of find the opportunity find the gift that is hidden behind that setback and then drive towards it focus towards it and you go through the challenge very very easily Wow, I had a moment just now when you said, you know, uh, setbacks are awesome, and I think um, to find a, the 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 treasure hunt, like going on a treasure hunt, right? I think it's really about leaning in with curiosity to this, um, you know, to this challenge or this setback, right? And um, and having that 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 inquisitive mind to say, what is this trying to teach me? What's the lesson that I'm I'm going to learn here? And when we move through that setback, that's how we kind of grow confidence but right? i think a lot of people when they talk about confidence is like hey cohen you know so i want to have confidence then i would you know, write that book give that speech uh, I, I need to have confidence then i would ask that my crush out on a date right but i i don't think i think they got it the other way around right they're kind of putting the cut before the horse um you don't wait till you get confidence you because confidence don't come from waiting right before you do something you you do things you experience setback, rejection, you, 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 you learn how things don't work. And that's how you gain confidence, like bouncing back, doing difficult things and bouncing back from failure, bouncing back from experiencing difficult emotions and pushing through that. That's how you gain confidence. I think that's, I think that's what I'm hearing from you. And um, do tell us more a little bit. Let's just unpack a little, right? It's like, um, of course, it's a very exciting, it's a very big move. From the, from India to to the US, and um, you already have a very successful speaking coaching business in India, and now this move as well, right? Like, tell, tell us a little bit, talk us a little bit more about um, about behind the scenes, like how how has it been, what what what's great, and what are some challenges that you're having? So, uh, so when I moved, I had to kind of uh, you know shut shop that they say, right? I had to kind of mm -hmm. uh, close down my business uh, because. Uh, I, I mean, it's natural, right? I mean, from one end of the world, you will not get called to the another end of the world. So my business was primarily in Asia and, uh, uh, you know, the certain countries of Asia, Europe, as well as uh, Australia. That's where I was doing uh, online, offline, uh, in person, virtual, all kinds of events. And uh, so when I moved here, I had to make a conscious, a conscious decision of uh, closing my uh, business for short period of time for two reasons one i wanted to relaunch myself here back in the us you know uh, because i've always wanted to tap into the mature market of us speaking right so uh, that's that's one part of it so that was a professional reason personal reason was uh, that listen when you move into a particular country you need to settle a lot of things you know and i was moving because my husband's job had uh, you know transferred him here so therefore he had to start work from day one and i had the possibility to take a back seat make sure the house was in order make sure the you know kid was ready for school make sure every other uh, things were set up and all of those things before i started you know getting into my business related stuff so i moved here in june 2022 and uh, I said, okay, I'll give myself six months time. I'll take six months break and then I will start working on my things. But me being myself, within three months, I started losing patience. <laughs> I was 
am I doing? I can't be sitting at home and just being a, a you know, a, a homemaker. And I was, I was actually wondering, what do I do? And I had a brain freeze. I was like, my brain was not working. Uh, what can I do? There were so many things to do to restart. This had to be done. That had to be done. That had to be done. So, so many things had to be done. And I didn't know uh, that. What do I do? So, fortunately, like you, Gwen, as you said, you are a good friend. And like you, you are there in my tribe. There are many other people in my tribe, right? So, one among them ha happens to be a, a NLP master trainer. And she's amazing with mind works, you know. So, uh, her name is Bharti. Uh, she's also a fellow speaker from India. So I asked, I called her, I, I told her, I need to speak to you because my mind is going bonkers. I can't do this, right? So I'm, I'm not doing, I'm not able to do it. And when we got into the call, I started ranting. I continuously started ranting. This is not happening. That is not happening. I'm not able to do this. I'm not able to do that. I'm not finding time. So, okay, guys, just because I work on setback leadership doesn't mean I don't rant. Doesn't mean I don't get into that why me situation. It's just that I know how to come out of it quickly right or get help from people who can help me come yes. out of it was one such help she asked me one single question she asked me Sri do you want to be a homemaker while you are in the US and I was like are you serious no I don't want to be a homemaker <laughs> take action then why are you cribbing go, go take action and that hit me really hard. I said, now I have to do it, completely do it. So I started taking action then. I, I jotted down all the things that I needed to do. And uh, as I was telling you before we started that I today launched my website. So one of the actions was launching my website. So I started working on it continuously. So from June until November, I didn't do anything. Then from November, I actually started working. December again was a break because, you know, it was a holiday season and uh, we were traveling and all of that. So nothing happened. So November, January and February, that's what I worked on to get the things ready. Now I want to roll. I am already, uh, you know, getting connected to all the speaking. Uh, I mean, I, I've got connected to NSA. I have got connected to various speakers. I'm creating my uh, I would say network here and uh, today the website has also launched so it's ready it's ready it's... and ripe for market so that's what was happening <laughs> thank you so much for sharing authentically uh, really couldn't have been easy and especially uh, moving from a, a place of you know i mean it, it was a time during the pandemic right uh, that you moved and also it just was fresh from having launched the new book your your latest book right how to um, soar, how to break through your glass ceiling to power your success. Um, tell us a little bit more about the, your latest book. Well, yeah, it's it's a book targeted towards women leaders, honestly, and uh, the women leaders post-pandemic, especially because uh, what happened post-pandemic is uh, work from home has become a way of life. You know, 24 bar 7 availability has become a way of life. People are people have become the, the demarcation between work and life or work and personal life has kind of blurred out. It's it's now integrated, right? You have to go. You have to do a lot of integration. But then uh, many of us women were not ready for that integration. 
we didn't have to do it because let's say even if you know uh, let's say we are working and we were going to office throughout a, ch- a big chunk of the day eight hours to ten hours we had we were away from our home so therefore what was happening house we were not aware of it now that it has back to work from home or hybrid work culture where you don't probably have to go to office that often every day so the situation has become like oh no i may i i need to also see whether the food are getting cooked the house is getting clean i need to also take care of kids going to school coming back from school entertaining them and all of that so all of a sudden there are so much extra work that came onto women's plate and that is what was bothering them a lot it is burning them out i mean recently we are hearing a lot of senior folks senior women folks uh, are uh, retiring or they're saying resigning saying that i'm not interested anymore why is it happening and the only reason i can think of is too much of burnout happening they're now tired they can't do so much so the book that i have written soar how to uh, break the glass ceiling and power your growth is about these women or for these women who can in spite of these challenges use certain tools use certain processes take certain help to still grow and succeed in the area of career or life they want to succeed so that's what the book is all about As you face the challenges of living up to your own and others' expectations, you may sometimes feel lost and lonely. However, know that you're not alone. We are here to support you in leaning courageously into your heart's promptings. If you'd like more tips, resources, and to learn more about how you can live more wholeheartedly, or to book me as a speaker, trainer, or coach, please go to coentan.com. That's C O E N T A N dot com. Wow! Wow! I think uh, I think previously, even in one of our casual chats, you did share with me a little bit more about um the time blocking and uh, who does what kind of things as a as a way of um managing um the many different commitments for women, right? And I think more than just for women, right? It's like. For the entire household, for the entire family, also to to take some responsibility for that. Um, can you share with us a little bit more about that? Yes, sure. So, again, this is a tool that I mention in the book. It's called Twenty uh, Four Hour Time Log. So, uh, let me ask you this question, Coin. It's not only for women; for us also. Can you yeah. really tell me hour by hour? for your 24 hours let's say you have all of us have 24 hours a day right that's our uh, let's say finite amount of time in a day right so can you tell me hourly what is happening in your life where are you spending your time <laughs> you got me there i think um yeah. personally i i've i've done i've i've started doing things like time blocking you know like um before even availing myself right because i have a calendar link where you know my clients and um people can book um calls with me you know um sales calls um client meetings um client coaching sessions but uh and every start of the week i do t- block out time to do deep work researching writing my book um c- preparing for my speeches my workshops but um i'm guilty as charged okay um that sometimes um do- those times become bendable right it's like um like uh if, if for example there's an important client meeting or there's an important um 
demand on my time and, and, and sometimes I, I, I end up spending time being distracted from um, the things that I set out to do and um, so I and that, that actually has a, has a double fold um, kind of um, uh, effect right the first thing is of course I don't do what I'm supposed to do and secondly of course I start to then feel guilty about not doing the things I'm supposed to do and then that guilty energy actually does get me down a little and uh, it does take away energy from me. Um, I, I don't have the same verve, the same vigor, and the same passion in doing the things I'm supposed to do because I'm, I'm, I'm making up for lost time rather than proactively actually making progress. So um, that's that, that's me. So I, I'm very excited to hear what you have about to share about this 24-hour time log because I think that could be very helpful for me. Yeah. So you're not alone, Cohen. Let me tell you that first. Many of us have no clue about what is happening in our 24 hours? We only know we are doing work from X, you know, let's say 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. or 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. or for some people 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. You know, so uh, that's okay. That's the part of work that we are doing. But let me ask you this. Are we only about work? No. Probably not, right? So we have many other things to do. Like rest has to be a big part of us. I believe. That's right. Every day you must be rested enough so that you can be rejuvenated, let's say next day to perform at your 100%, right? So what I do is in this 24 uh, hour time log, we divided it in three different sections. One is work, one is rest, and the th third is personal and chores. Now, believe it or not, Coin, uh, women are really bad time managers when it comes to their personal chores or taking care of self. And I'm sure not any woman would dis disagree with me on this. And it's not a good news. It's actually a bad news. This is burning out all of us. So this 24 hour time log in those three chunk of times talks about what are the ideal things you will should be spending time for. Let me ask you another question. Do you have dedicated time to fitness and reading every single day yes that one i can say confidently yes so that's that's a good thing 90 percent of people don't have it they think okay when i need to learn i will learn but when you need to learn by then it'll be too late yes. because you've already missed the so you have to learn ahead of when you need to learn right wow so this for our time log actually first helps you understand how you are spending your time today where and all you're spending your time. Then it helps you identify which are your time depleters. Let's say social media, mindless scrolling, reading random things, watching Netflix, or anything that is not really enriches you, you know, which is something unproductive activity. Even probably fighting with your spouses can be an unproductive activity. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah. So, so the point is, first of all, you need to be aware of how is your 24-hour day looking like currently. Then the goal is to make a 1% improvement in it. You take, you find out, okay, in this area of my 24-hour day, I need to make an improvement. And instead of, let's say, Netflixing, I am going to turn it around and use that time for reading or maybe jogging 
or maybe having a one to one heart to heart conversation with my partner with my loved one with my children or whatever whatever it is that you decide but you just replace one unproductive activity which is a time depleter with time enricher i call it nice right and that to slowly change your uh, 24 hour log closer to the ideal 24 hours log that's what this particular tool is all about this is so powerful this is so powerful i really like the way you're just saying right it's like time and reaching activities i think it's really about um, high emotional vibrational activities right it's like if you're doing something that for example when exercise right your 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 body releases endorphins and it makes in yes it creates feel good hormones right you feel good about yourself so i mean eating eating yeah. chocolates uh, watching netflix I, and nothing wrong with watching netflix right i i love to watch netflix certain shows very selectively um when when watching netflix right it's kind of like you 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 you're just spending time you're not actually investing that time uh, and that there's a kind of a low emotional vibrational energy because after eating chocolates and eating I, i love chocolates by the way i mean that's my guilty pleasure as well um uh, but after so these activities there's this sense of like kind of guilt or there's this sense of like oh okay okay yeah, yeah, i did what i did it, the time is over okay move on right um i was just reading i was just listening to another speaker the other day talking about how we only only ever you know have you know like 10,000 you know 10,000 um days left in our life and and i was thinking to myself yeah, wow it's like 10,000 days left in my life i mean i'm already 40 plus right and and what do i want the next 10,000 days of my life how am i going to spend those days because every day the clock is ticking right so i thought that's just a really really powerful um frame of of mind to think about you know how am i using my time and i'm really looking forward you know um although i'm not a woman um i really am looking forward to reading that book you know because i think it will contain very very useful and powerful lessons for us to live our life more enriching uh, more enrich and uh, more wholeheartedly as well um so i like to just jump in back a little to um failure right um, i know i'm jumping around here and there because i think there's one very important piece i want to talk to you about failure um you you share with me on another previous conversation and i and, and you made a big a big impact on me um that you never experienced failure until you were 19 or something and when you first experienced that failure it it threw you so off that you were contemplating are you on a school bus or you're on a bus home from school that day and you're contemplating jumping into a river and um taking your life um and i i and i say that with a lot of compassion right like i here in singapore we are a very high pressure society and Um, a lot of parents are putting their kids under a lot of pressure to study and and excel in school. Myself, I was also a product of this education system, and I myself, I was also raised to perform very well at school. And I have seen that there's been you know increasing incidences of kids taking their own lives. Can you share a little bit more about your experience and um, how those experiences have shaped you to be the person that you are today? Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I have always been a, a protected child, honestly, right? Um, I was the firstborn of my house, and uh, fortunately or unfortunately, I was very smart kid, you know. Um, 
I am not trying to blow my own trumpet here. This is what what my parents have told me since I have been a child that they never had to do anything too much for me. Uh, eating food, I would do it myself. I was a foodie. I would enjoy food. Uh, doing my homework, enjoying studies. I was a kid who would do my homework myself. I'll enjoy my studies. I was always a present child. I was a child who would always who was a curious child who was uh, looking at the world. as a you know as as her west oyster and learning from every opportunity so that's how as a child i was and because of that i was also a high performer i was a uh, you know overachiever let's call it right so whatever i put my hands on i would succeed in it uh, be it studies be it writing be it whatever so i would uh, succeed in it so my parents thought that uh, i had to uh, they had to channelize my energy because i was doing everything i was so much bubbling with energy and wanted to do everything wanted to learn experience everything so they said okay you got to focus on studies everything else can happen later so in that process i was not put into extracurricular activities i was good in sports i used to play uh, volleyball i used to play cricket mm. and wow. uh, yeah i was a i was a good cyclist as well so all this was there i used to draw really well as a child and i used to sing really well as a child however because i had to focus on studies my parents thought that they shouldn't be put putting me into other things so i've never had a formal training in uh, singing nor uh, you know drawing or painting or any of those things or ne- neither i have had any formal training in sports so uh, this was all what i enjoyed doing anyway so i focused on studies and throughout my school until uh, you know 12th grade i did really well i would always be in the top 5 of the class i was the teacher's pet teachers would really you know appreciate my smartness and uh, you know my ability to quickly grasp things so from there uh, i i became uh, you know i was one of the highest scorers in in uh, 12th grade and then from there i went to college okay um, the the score the, the subject that in which i scored the highest was probably after 10 years i scored highest until then nobody had scored highest in that school so i was after 10 years i was the one who scored highest in that subject then from there i from, I, i used to be in a very small town in west bengal learning in in my own mother tongue bengali uh, uh, you know learning all the things all the lessons in my mother tongue so from there i go to a big city it's it's called calcutta i don't know if you've heard of it it's the city in mm-hmm. india it's one of the a top five cities in india and known for its culture and uh, vibrancy food etc so i moved there for my college and college education in india is in english so uh, i changed from my learning medium from bengali to english and what happened is after a year during my exam i had to write it. i had to write the same subject that i was in uh, that i the last year i had become uh, highest right i had scored highest marks so at that point in time i wrote it i'll tell you what happened why i uh, what happened and why i felt like taking my life uh, but then i wrote the exam when the result came i failed in that very same exam 
So the same subject in which I had scored the top mark, the highest marks in my school in last 10 years for the first time, I failed in that very subject the next year in my college final, final exam. And I was shattered. I was totally shattered. I was like, how can it be possible? I was the highest scorer. How is it even possible that I failed? So I beat myself up and I, 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 I put the entire blame on myself. So that's why I felt like taking my life away. And it was my father who put sense in my head. You know, it was not me who got the sense out of it. It was my father who I actually was probably lucky to think, okay, let me call my parents one last time. Those days there was no mobile phone. So I had to go to a PCO and dial my parents in his office because he also didn't have a mobile phone. Fortunately, he was there in the office at that time. But he picked up the call and I told him, Daddy, I failed in this subject. So he asked me two questions. First question he asked, did you do your best? And I said, yes, of course, I did my best. Second question he asked, would you have done something different had you known how to? Yes. Wow. So then he said, then it is not your problem. And then he told me, darling, you have to remember, number one, you changed your learning medium from Bengali to English. And secondly, while you were giving the exam, you were suffering from malaria. You couldn't even write the exam properly. Your hands were shaking like this while you were writing the exam. How can you expect yourself to perform better than this? Whatever wow. you have performed, you have to do best. And that changed the entire perspective for me. Wow. Wow. What powerful questions have you done your best? Would you have done anything different had you had known better? Wow. That's the first time I've heard two powerful questions that save a life. And that's... I mean, I, I, I have been there as well, right? Um, I've thought of committing suicide as well, and um, I have also turned my life around. But that pivotal call and those two questions, wow. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that. And I think that also speaks broadly to this idea that Carol Dweck, Stanford professor, uh, wrote in a book, Mindset, right? I think this idea of um, growth mindset and fixed mindset um, how, you know, the, the messages we send to kids are so important. If you have done well in school, if you say to the kids, oh, you're so smart, you're so clever, that actually encourages a, a fixed mindset because you're attributing a trait, uh, a character trait or a, a, a characteristic of a, of a child. Oh, you're, you're doing so well is because you're, you're clever and you're so smart. And of course, if you fail, it just means that oh, you you are not that smart after all, and then maybe perhaps you're stupid, right? And that that's, that can be so so crushing to to kids when we send those messages. But instead, if we attribute you know success to oh, great job, you have, you have, you have, you have done your best, great job, you know, um, you 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 did so well because you worked for it, right? Then now it sends the messages that you know um, success is something that you can work towards, and then that really creates what's called a growth mindset and. Um, and you, when you did mention that you were like a 
protected and you're like a protege, right? You're, you're like the archetype of a child protege. And Carol Dweck also in a book said, um, wrote about, did some research around how a lot of child protégés don't amount to much, right? Like um, 12-year-old chess masters, 12-year-old math, math wizards, um, then they've been sending like a, a healthy dose of messages like, oh, you're so smart, you're so clever. But they cannot live with that pressure, right? They cannot live with that performance pressure that they have to keep up with that, you know, that, that the performance. And, um, and when they grow up in, in life, when they experience setback, right? It's like taking us full circle. When they experience setback, right? And they don't know what to do about it because it's like, I've never experienced a setback before. It's like, this is new to me. I think that's... Um, yeah. yeah. In fact, you're right, uh, Cohen. I want to chime in here to talk about a personal thing that I that I you know share with uh, everybody. Like, as I said, I'm the first born in my, my generation, in my family, right? So, a uh, lot of... I, I have a younger sibling. I have a younger sister. And then a lot of cousins are there who are younger to me. So, uh, because I was the child prodigy, I was always the best in whatever I did, everybody started looking up to me. So, uh, you know, in our language, they call me the, the or the, the, right? So they, uh, they'll be like, we have to be like her, you know, we have to be like her. And that put a lot of pressure in me. So when I failed in my uh, startup for the first time, I think more than thinking about myself, I was thinking about others, what kind of impact I'm going to create on their mind about failure. They'll think she is a failure, she is a failure. Then during counseling, my counselor asked, who has put this, you know, responsibility on your shoulders that you always have to succeed? And for whom? And why? Since then, I actually have started showing my vulnerable side to my younger siblings. And that has made them better human beings. So you can imagine. Showing a vulnerable side is also about sharing, giving people permission to to experience failure and giving them permission to feel that you're not alone when you fail. And um, yeah. sometimes having to carry the burden of, you know, being the flag bearer, that, 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 that standard bearer for people around you and having people's expectations heap upon you can be so debilitating, right? There's just so much performance anxiety. Um, and I think a lot of, a lot of people in, in, in the corporate world today are like that, right? Like, Either they are fearing, you know, reputational damage, like, oh, well, what will people think about me if I fail? Or they are fearing they'll let someone down. Either they're letting their parents down, they're letting their children down, they're letting their family down. It's, it, it can be quite crippling, right? That fear can, 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 can kind of paralyze you, you know, kind of um, stop you from, 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 from taking bold, wholehearted decisions to move things forward, taking courageous decisions that we have been discussing a lot about. Wow, this has been such, such, such a rich conversation, Sri, Sri Jata. Oh, I'm, I'm just taking a moment to just like pause and reflect upon this powerful conversation. Um, and usually we, we kind of like uh, round up a lot of our podcast episodes with, you know, quick fire questions. And one of the quick fire questions is, what's the most powerful questions you have ever been asked before? But it seems like you have shared so many of them already, right? It's like, do you want to be a housewife in, in the US? <laughs> well, have you done the best? Um, you know, it's like if we have done differently, if you have done better, like, wow. Um, but I'm just gonna stretch it a little, right? It's like, is there any other questions you've been asked before that has really changed your life? 
have to really think this uh, of course my fa father's those two questions were really really uh, yeah. different the question that my counselor asked me so i i was going through the depression because we lost money uh, i was in the belief that i am the one because of which the rest of the family is sad and upset and all of that so i was putting a lot of self blame into myself i was uh, uh, being responsible for something that nobody had given responsibility given me that responsibility for right so while ranting to my counselor she asked me why are you uh, thinking that you have to solve every problem who has asked yeah. you to solve all the problem wow it hit a light bulb in my mind i was like i never thought about it and that's something that we women do a lot with ourselves we put a lot of pressure on us to get everything in the perfect way and that day onwards today i'm not a person like that i mean if something is if the house is in not order probably it's not my responsibility if i have not owned it up right so that's how it is if somebody is having a problem solving it is probably not my responsibility unless somebody has asked me to solve it i am not going to go ahead and offer help unless somebody says i need your help so, so i'm just freeing my mind space and freeing the idea that i always have to be the messiah or i have to be the problem solver for not only myself or everybody else yeah. so that is another powerful that uh, my counselor had asked. fantastic fantastic i think that's really a common challenge um, you talk about women right i think also it's a common challenge for overachievers um i think uh, overachievers uh, uh, have have built up that you know their repertoire of capabilities skills and talents and um, ability to solve problems that invariably they become the person that the community the organization the team um even bosses right look to solve the problem and then so they end up taking on responsibilities without even realizing that you know they're taking on too much on their plates um that's that's a very very common um observation that I make and um when I when I share the observation in my corporate workshops people seem to have that light bulb moment like a ha ha moment like oh yeah you know and people some people even kind of like break down on that and the recognition of 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 carrying all these burdens with them it's so powerful thanks um the next question is who is a mentor or supporter who has made the biggest difference in your life and i think you have shared a few but um any other mentors or supporters that has made a big difference in your life coin you know what i have a you know group of tribe i have so many people around me so many has made so much difference in my life in throughout the years start, starting with my parents starting with my spouse my daughter who's 13 year old uh, my friends my colleagues in the industry uh, my mentors my coaches so many of them i don't think i can name one person it would be a sheer it would be a sheer injustice to every one of them so honestly everyone has touched me in some way or the other including you coin so that's the fun about it right so and i have i really know them by hand i mean i know who has actually changed my life in a certain way because of something that they said or done so thanks to all of them honestly oh, thank you thank you thank you and maybe i can just summarize it by saying it's important to find your tribe whatever you're doing in your life whether you're doing wholeheartedly 
I think it's important to find your tribe because um, it's very it's also hard to live wholeheartedly when you're feeling you're alone, when you're feeling like um you 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 feeling like you're the only one facing these problems, these challenges, um and when when you feel like you're not alone, you feel more courageous. You 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 dare to lean in and make more courageous decisions. That's a great answer. Great answer. Okay, talking about courageous, right? Final question: What's the most courageous thing you have done in your life that's made all the difference? What's the most? I know you've made many courageous decisions as well, but what's the most courageous thing you have done that's made all the difference? So I'll talk about two things. One courageous thing that I think I have succeeded in doing it, and one courageous thing I took the step but I failed. Okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but let me talk about the success one first. So the. Courageous thing that I did is when my daughter was two years old, we went to uh, a place called uh, Gangtok in uh, in uh, India. What a name! It's, it's in the <laughs> Himalayas. It's in the Himalayas. It's in the mountains. And uh, I went on the top of a hill and I jumped from there. What? Ooh. <laughs> so I was actually doing paragliding, and uh, my. Guide told me that you will be tied onto your uh, parachute and you have to just run towards the cliff and jump from the cliff. Okay, it was probably one of the most courageous thing that I have done. My my heart was going, no, don't do it, Sri. What's wrong with you? You go to the cliff. Are you crazy? And I said, shut up. I'm not listening to you. you know, I'm going to do it. And I closed my, <laughs> I closed my fists. And I ran towards the cliff, and there I was suddenly got a you know pull, already flying. I was like, okay, probably this is what is called leap of faith. So that was a uh, mm -hmm. thing that I did. That was a success. I enjoyed that experience. And let me share another courageous thing that I did recently, uh, as recently as 2021. Uh, you know, in 2021. Uh, so I, I have fear of water. I, I have aquaphobia. I can't really dip my head in the water. I have some, you know, past childhood trauma because of which this is there, and I want to get rid of that trauma. I want to get rid of that fear. So to do that, um, I was traveling to Maldives on a work trip and a, a personal trip, and I went and signed up for a, a scuba diving course, scuba diving, uh, let's say, experience. So imagine a person <laughs> who can't put their head into the water, going for a scuba diving. So it was my husband. He he loves swimming. My daughter, she is a water baby. Both of them, my husband and my daughter, both of them are water babies, and they enjoy underwater. And my husband was doing a, a scuba diving certification. So I said, okay, I'll also join. At least I'll go for the uh, you know they call it discovery dive. So they put all the armors, the vest, the dress, everything, the oxygen mask, etc., oxygen cylinder, etc., and we started going into the water, walking into the water, slowly, slowly, till the uh, chest deep. Until it was chest deep, I was fine. Then the instructor says, "Okay, now you have to uh, float on your tummy. You have to just lie down on the water in your tummy." I was about to do it. About to put the head down, and some panic attack hit me, and I got up. Is it not happening? I can't do it. She said, "Okay, no problem. We'll take you to the deeper water. You do one thing. Can you float on your back?" I 
said, yeah, that I can do. I like that. I love that, you know, floating in the water with my head up. So I started floating with my head up. So we went into the water where there was no, I couldn't uh, feel my feet into the water. Now she was about to turn me, turn me in the water so that from face up, I go face down so that I can float inside water. Okay. As she was about to do, I started throwing hands and legs and saying, no, 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 I don't want, I don't want, I don't want, please take me back. (laughs) She was like, what did I do? You didn't do anything. I'm just scared. Please take me back. And she she was like, she didn't know what to do because two others were already enjoying in the water. She was the only guide. So she had to kind of pull them also back with me and take them uh, to the shore along with me. And when I got to the shore, I was shivering. I was shivering, you know, to nobody's business. And I started crying. I started, I had a meltdown basically. And imagine this was at a client's place. And the client manager had, the, the manager who was dealing with me, who was my like relationship manager was dealing with me. He had scheduled this session. Before the speech, I go into this meltdown. I have not even given my speech as it is. <laughs> that was another courageous thing that I did, uh, which didn't go well. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing that. Um, wow. <sighs> okay, Srijada, um, right? Uh, how can our listeners uh, find out more about you, and where can they find you on social media and on and your new website, right, that you mentioned? Yes. Yeah, so. Uh, just search by my, my name, Sri Jata Bhatnagar, or search by Setback Leadership. Either way, you will end up on me. And uh, my website is very simple, myname.com. Not even surname. It's srijata.com. Interestingly, I found the domain, so I booked it. And uh, yeah, so that's the website right now. So go ahead, find me. And I love connecting with people on social media, especially on LinkedIn. So if you are on LinkedIn and if you want to, you know, connect with me, go ahead, do that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, very generous of you. And uh, just, uh, we'll just put the links uh, in the show notes below. Once again, uh, Srijada, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. It always has been, it's always a pleasure talking to you. I always get so inspired and, you know, very uplifted, always talking with you and also um, not to mention entertained as well <laughs> your stories are hilarious uh, um, some of them are very heartwarming as well and so thank you so much for bearing your your whole heart to us thank you uh, once again from all of us here at wholehearted podcast thank you thank you Cohen. thank you for having me i truly truly enjoyed and had fun today thanks for being part of this heartwarming conversation today if you've enjoyed the show as much as i have creating it for you. I really appreciate it if you can leave a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. And while you're there, why not subscribe to the channel so you won't miss a future episode. To the next episode, stay wholehearted.